everybody. Welcome to a Saturday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And Ellis Williams joining us as well. Ellis, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, not really sure what day it is. Not because of the Browns practice they had yesterday off, which helped organize things. There's so much NBA basketball going on. So <laughs> we're just watching hoops every night. Uh, go Lakers. But it's somewhere between Friday and Saturday here. So let's get after it. I was convinced all day yesterday it was Sunday. I'm sorry, it was Saturday. And that today yeah. I've been convinced it's Sunday. Uh, so I'm all thrown off because of this training camp schedule and, and everything else going on. So uh, you, you are not alone. That's the full training camp experience. When you've forgotten what day it is and you just have no idea, like, why is my neighbor home today or something like that? It's, that's when you've really arrived at, at training camp. All right, so let's talk about training camp and let's get to some of the news of the day. Uh, Mary Kay, you've got a Mac Wilson update. What, what can you tell us? Uh, well, first of all, Mac Wilson, as I reported last week, he was going to have a second opinion with Dr. James Andrew. But what they wanted to see throughout the week was how the healing happened. And so far, he's been healing very quickly. You know, the swelling is starting to come down and it's starting to look better uh, fairly soon, which, which is good. Uh, that means that, you know, there's a chance that he might not have to have the season ending surgery. And uh, now it's my understanding. I was told that there's definitely a chance he could return this season. So I think that's really good news for the Browns. Uh, we all know that they're fairly thin at linebacker. They were counting on him to be a starter. And now it appears as though uh, there's, I would say, a pretty good chance he will be back at some point this season. Yeah, Alice, we spent so much time talking about Mac Wilson, really, in this offseason. Probably more than we expected to talk about Mac Wilson, but uh, we certainly spent a lot of time on him. It was disappointing, I think, for, for that reason, uh, to really see him go down. We didn't get a chance to really see what he could do in his second year, but uh, it's a good thing for this football team, even if he's not necessarily fully the player that, that they think he can be, to at least have that opportunity to maybe get him back later in the year especially if, you know, you're getting banged up at linebacker elsewhere. Yeah, of course it's good news that he, he possibly could be back. Um, it, it seems like a complete reversal from just initially how we felt about it. And then his follow-up tweets and Instagram posts seemed, you know, a little uh, coded and emotional, if you will. But uh, again, that's, it's good news for the Browns and defensive coordinator Joe Woods. But it, again, this is a situation where they, of course, need to prepare as if he's not going to be out there for a while. And Mac is the type of player where he had a lot to prove this year, despite a little bit of what may have been an um, a internal crowning with just how young the room is and with him returning from last year. And, of course, he seems real well-liked and, and a young leader on that team. But he, again, had a, had a lot to prove. And linebacker is the type of spot where it is truly, even though it's a cliche in football, you know, linebacker and running back are two positions where it's next man up and when you lose that spot regardless of reason it may not be there for you when you come back you know bj goodson had an interception today <laughs> dropping into what looked like a deep cover for coverage and uh picked off baker mayfield you know he probably would have been sacked uh before the play or before the interception he still looked good and went up and got the football something um i definitely didn't see on tape from him and it was a you know a real probably maybe in the highlight play of, of practice today we got the defense really fired up. Uh, of course, Jacob Phillips, uh, uh, someone we keep talking about with a lot of potential. And he, what if he just comes in and does what Mac Wilson did last year? And now he's sort of the young darling. And, you know, they're just, depending on when Mac comes back is going to be vital. And if it's 
you know, eight weeks from now or say this team might be in a groove defensively and, you know, he will come back in a role player type of way, but, you know, not be the cornerstone starter or, you know, or the room's a mess and uh, Mac Wilson will be needed uh, dearly. But so again, it's good news, but this team's going to prepare without him and they've got players who are ready to step up because they don't have a choice. Well, and the good thing too, you know, Mary Kay, the other thing we've talked about, not just Mac Wilson, but how we don't know much about this linebacker core. You know, Ellis mentioned B.J. Goodson. I think, you know, you, you always kind of have to be careful making really strong declarations early in camp. But, I mean, at this point, I would be surprised if B.J. Goodson isn't your starter in the middle uh, week one against Baltimore. Yeah, I would think that that's the way that it's going. I kind of always thought that it would be that. Uh, and it's kind of holding true. So um, we'll see how that goes. But I do think that um, I think Jacob Phillips is off to a strong start in his camp. He's been active. Uh, he, I always thought, you know, that an LSU linebacker that started and had as much production that he did in college would come in and look pretty good right away. That's what those LSU guys usually do. And uh, that has proven true in the early going. You know, I've seen him, um, you know, I've seen him get his hands on a football. I've seen him make some stops. I mean, he's showing up. You look out there and you see him. Uh, so I think that's good. I think, I think Sione Taki Taki had a good week. I think he really had a, a very nice week, especially uh, the last practice that we saw, which would have been, speaking of what the heck day it is, uh, <laughs> that, would have been, uh, that would have been Thursday. Thursday, right, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought he had a nice practice on, on Thursday. He was very active. He was around the ball. He, you know, he was, he was making some noise and making some plays. Now, having said this about Mac Wilson, I think we should take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because when you start getting second opinions and you start consulting with people, uh, you know, then things, you know, things could change. You never know, because sometimes with the surgery, you have to make a, a decision on whether or not you want to have the surgery. I mean, they, they can present you sometimes with, with the options. And, I, you know, we remember David Njoku last year, he did not want to have that wrist surgery. And absolutely, he was dead set against it. And then as he went throughout the season, in October, he decided to have it because it was going to be the quickest chance to get him back on the field. And that's how it is sometimes with surgeries. Even though it's counterintuitive, sometimes the path to playing, uh, you know, can, can be quicker with some kind of a procedure. So, uh, you know, it's not written in stone yet. I just think that there's a little bit of a better vibe that he has a better chance of coming back than we thought so at first. Uh, Mary Kay, real quickly, can I ask you, um, because I you bring up a great point and it got gets me thinking. Is he uh, is Mac Wilson a, a you know like an IR designated return uh, candidate right now? Is that something you could see the Browns pursuing with him? Yeah, he would be that. He would definitely be uh, in that in that category because I would think that uh, he's going to be out a significant amount of time if he doesn't have to have the surgery. Um, but again, I, you know, and it looks like it's heading towards no surgery. But sometimes those things can also change. So I guess we have to stay tuned. I think we'll know more in about a week on that. You know, the other, the other point before we move to our, our next item here is uh, you, you mentioned David Njoku. And, and while it's, look, it's always good news when a guy's able to come back and play, right? But it also kind of speaks to, that can be really hard. And getting injured early in camp, especially this weird off season, if you miss... 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it could be. And, and we don't know any of those numbers yet. I'm just throwing that out there. That puts you behind. And sometimes it's hard to catch up. Uh, so that, that's also something to keep in mind through all of this. Uh, another piece of news, Kevin Johnson uh, out of the hospital. 
So that obviously is good news. And now it's just really going to be week to week, Mary Kay. Yeah, and I've talked to some people today uh, about Kevin Johnson. And um, what I've come to find out is that his particular laceration was, now his was to a liver, but his was not the serious variety that if you guys remember Jordan Foyer back in 2016 uh, had a lacerated kidney. His was uh, a major injury and it, caught, it took him at least four months uh, before he was able to get back to any kind of significant football activity. This is not like that. Kevin Johnson's was a minor laceration. He should be able to get back and, and start working out at, at some point. Not, I don't want to say like really soon, uh, but in the near future, he should be able to start conditioning and, and you know, getting going on a few things. Of course, first he has to go through the COVID protocol again, which means four days of testing, three negative tests and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I believe that they are hopeful and optimistic that he can come back fairly early in the season, which means to me, late first quarter of the season, somewhere around there, late, maybe late September, early October, something like that. And Ellis, this is a guy that, you know, really became an important piece of this team. When they signed him, it was an interesting signing. But then when we kind of laid our eyes on him the first few days of camp, it was like, oh, okay, Kevin Johnson's going to matter to this football team. Yeah, and he's got the, the type of build, that, that smooth six feet, you know, 200-plus pound type of corner who um, they can trust in coverage and also they can play in the boxes, that, that slot corner. And uh, quite frankly, I'm just starting to feel a little bad for this young man. Uh, we had him uh, – for a presser, I think last week, again, the days blurred together, but I remember him saying, um, you know, he mentioned he broke his foot in 2016. And then I think it was an MCL in 2017 and then concussion issues uh, got him out of the Texans a few years later after that 2018, 19 area. So uh, his injury list just keeps piling up and that that's football and, and really that sports, the, the best ability is availability. Uh but this seems like a, a best case scenario considering what happened with Kevin Johnson. It sounds like he's going to be back and that slot corner spot's getting real competitive for the Browns right now. A guy will probably coming up. We'll probably talk about later and it's going to be a vital position for them. Clearly Joe Woods wants to have that, that third corner on the field uh, probably at a, a clip around 70% of the time. If I just had to throw a number out there and Kevin Johnson's going to have a chance to come back and uh, compete. It sounds like, which is uh, just great news overall for, for anyone rooting for the Browns and, of course, uh, Joe Woods and company. Uh, some good news for the Browns here. Miles Garrett was back today, not fully participating, but he was involved in some team drills. Uh, Mary Kay, we got to talk to him before practice, and he said uh, with Jedrick Wills, he's basically going to teach him what it's like to be in the NFL. He doesn't want, doesn't want him hanging his head. He doesn't want to be too hard on him, but he also said guys don't learn anything if you dial it back. So uh, Jedrick Wills is about to get his, uh, I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, he's about to get his baptism in the NFL here once Miles Garrett is full go. Yeah, that, that's true. And, um, and I think that will be good for him. But I do think uh, that in the same way they're ramping other things up, I also think that it looks to me that they're going to ramp up Jed versus Miles. It, now, I, I, you know, even Miles talked about it today. He said that he noticed that he, you know, that Jed got a little bit discouraged when he got beat a few times by Olivier Vernon. If you'll notice what happened early on in camp, they had Olivier Vernon going up against, uh, in, he was in Miles' spot going up against Jedrick Wills. Then they kind of pulled him uh, to the other side and put eventually Porter Gustin going up against Jedrick Wills. Uh, and I kind of feel like they may have done that 
because he needed to graduate up to Olivier Vernon and then Miles Garrett. And I still think that they're going to do that. We saw Miles line up today. They did not have pads on, but we saw Miles line up to get today across from Jack Conklin. So this will accomplish two things. Now they got, they've got O back in his normal spot and Miles, I mean, they've got O in Miles' spot and Miles over on the left side. So he lined up against Jack Conklin. So the two things this will accomplish, he will help get Jack Conklin ready. Because as we know now, everyone always says this anymore, that you need to have your right tackle and your left tackle be equally good. Because if your left tackle, if your right tackle can't handle the best pass rusher, then by all means, he's gonna see him. And, and so this is going to help Jack Conklin also get ready for the season. And so, and the other thing that it accomplishes is not allowing Jed Wills to get discouraged or lose his confidence. The last thing that you want to do to a young rookie player that is getting thrown into a position with no offseason whatsoever and never having done it before in a game in his entire career, high school, college, anything, the first time he's going to be playing left tackle live uh, with, with hulking, snorting, defensive guys coming after him live is going, going to be against the Ravens. So, uh, you know, they, they want him on September 13th to feel good about himself and to have confidence. So therefore, I think they're going to kind of mix it up a little bit over the next few weeks. Yeah. It, and, you know, the other side of this too is Baltimore is not going to take it easy on him. <laughs> we know that. Uh, so so it's, it's this balance of kind of getting him ready and also challenging him. But, you know, the, the confidence side of it, too, is, is important. And it's just, I guess, I guess, one of those things with this weird offseason where he didn't really have a, a spring to, to work on some, some things, you do have to get technique down. And, and I know when I've kind of been watching these practices at Ellis, they've, they've been a little slow moving. They haven't been super competitive yet. Uh, but a lot of that is because they're really trying to master some of this technique and some of this precision. It's, it's kind of the same thing with Jedrick Wells. Yeah, and, and I think they ended practice like that today with uh, essentially a, a swift walkthrough type of pace uh, with the defense 11 on 11, uh, you know, not not playing full, but just make sure, making sure the plays get completed. Uh, Mary Kay, I think you said a lot of really accurate things there about Jedrick. He's in a real uh, fine area right now, walking a real tight rope between uh, confidence and, and being pushed. And I think Miles put it really well today. And even going up against Olivier, he's going to need that type of stuff. But also you need to be careful not to crush him before the 13th because um, not only is it the Baltimore Ravens, but they also acquired Clays Campbell this offseason, uh, which feels like a lifetime ago. That might have even been pre-COVID. Uh, but, you know, he comes over from Jacksonville. He's a vet, 33-year-old. Uh, I, I got it written down here, 88 career sacks. So he's chasing that 100 club, which is a pretty prestigious club, of course. And I'm sure he'd love to – he sees a – you know, 20-year-old rookie, 21-year-old rookie uh, opening the season, and he'd love to, you know, get to 90 in week one, you know, <laughs> get, get that two-sack mark on the rookie. So that's going to be a big first test. And then, Mary Kay, you started your point by talking about how important the left and right tackles are, and there isn't a better example of that than uh, in, in Pittsburgh, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree both coming off the ends there. Uh, you need both tackles to be able to block them, and that's going to be, you know, two, another two games where Jedrick's not going to get a playoff with – again, Bud Dupree and uh, T.J. Watt coming at him. So between that first week opener and then the Steelers down the road, 
uh, there isn't going to be an easy game really in this division or conference per se, but specifically on the edge there, uh, Miles Garrett is going to, in a way, have his hands full preparing Jedrick Wills for what life in the North is going to be like. Yeah, that, that left tackle, right tackle thing. I mean, just Browns fans know, you know, the Chiefs paid a bunch of money to get Mitchell Schwartz away from Cleveland. And a big reason for that was, you know, guess where Khalil Mack, when he was with the Raiders, lined up, where Von Miller lined up. They, teams will attack uh, that right tackle, and, and you've got to be solid over there for sure. Uh, all right, we are going to take a quick break. I do want to mention real quick, Nick Chubb was back today, so that was good to see. And also Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, did walk off the field, and we didn't see him come back. So that's something to keep an eye on here. Uh, we'll, we'll get some updates on those guys, on Donovan Peoples-Jones here, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what we saw at practice. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service, where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what, though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something and I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read. Uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and while I was telling you about Football Insider, Mary Kay was giving me some of those injury updates that I promised you. So Mary Kay, what can you tell us? Well, first of all, David Njoku, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, he had wrist surgery last year that kept him out for 10 games. He waited until October to have it. He just did not want to have surgery. Today, Saturday, he missed practice with some soreness in that same wrist. So something to keep an eye on because, uh, you know, that's, you know, when you have a surgically repaired wrist and all of a sudden now it's feeling sore, uh, I do think that that sends up a little bit of a red flag. So uh, we'll have to watch that one. And then as far as Donovan Peoples-Jones is concerned, uh, we were all concerned when we saw him walk off the practice field today with a trainer in the middle of a special teams period. He never came back. And then you know, always get worried about a guy when that happens. But as it turns out, he was having heat cramps and he's absolutely fine. So nothing to worry about there. All right. So good news on, on Peoples-Jones. Certainly uh, it was hot today. That's for sure. That, that heat was back after, after about a week off in Berea. Let's talk about practice real quick. There wasn't a ton necessarily to take in today. I feel like today was sort of uh, they went out with no pads again. And I think a big piece of that was probably because they're going to be in pads, I would assume, the next three days. Mm -hmm. uh, and then their next off day is Wednesday. So I, I would expect 
that they're going to go pretty hard over these next three days. So, so I'm kind of excited to see that. Uh, Ellis, I'd like to ask you and Scott this because we don't have you guys on every day. And, I, and I'm curious what you saw in practice today that stood out to you. Yeah, well, let's start uh, with a position we've been talking about a lot already, the slot corner. Uh, anyone listening to this is probably thinks I've got money on the Browns <laughs> slot corner winning defensive player of the year or something. Uh, it's a lot of talk for a third corner spot. But, again, it's going to be an important position for Joe Woods. And with that being said, MJ Stewart stood out today. I noticed right away in that first team session he had a tackle for a loss. I think that would have been on Nick Chubb in the backfield. Who Nick Chubb looked really good today, by the way. He really broke some runs off and uh, made his presence felt in his return. But anyways, back to Stewart, um, MJ Stewart, and then he had a sack uh, later on a, a, a bootleg uh, from Baker. And that might have been the same play that he threw that pick to B.J. Goodson. But where I'm going with this is um, he was signed, I believe, last Saturday for waivers from Tampa Bay. He's a former uh, second-round pick in 2018. And Tampa's just kind of loaded in the secondary, not with a whole ton of talent, but just a high draft capital. And he's not uh, – he proved to not a – guy, a guy who couldn't keep – ladder or uh, vertically with a lot of these receivers so he transitioned to a, a slot corner and really a in the box safety uh, type tackler that might be where the Browns use him more as a, a safety ask than a corner ask but, but where I'm going with this is both with uh, Kevin Johnson's injury and just the way Stewart's playing in camp uh, Dan you mentioned how he looked good uh, on Thursday I think I expect him to just have a role on this team, whether it's a safety or corner, he's just going to be on the field. Probably they're going to roll these guys. And it, it, when you can find a team that has a, an abundance of talent at one position and get them, get them off the waivers and add it to your weaker room, that's exactly what the Browns did here. It's something that, uh, you know, with the news of Matt Wilson, maybe they don't do, but perhaps they could pursue at linebacker, figure out what, what team here when players start getting cut, have an abundance of talent. And that's exactly what happened with Stewart. So that's one name to uh, keep an eye on Browns fans. And then I thought Austin Hooper had a, had a good day today. And of course that uh, um, I won't get too much into the play design, but a little gimmicky, a uh, big reception, probably a touchdown for Austin Hooper today. So that stood out. It was nice to see the offense just, you know, get some pop when we, we see the defense firing up so much. Yeah. We just haven't seen a lot of downfield um, yeah. from the Browns. And then that, that was definitely a good play to see. And, and a, you know, good creative play design too. Uh, that they got Austin Hooper open. Now, Mary Kay, we've seen that slot corner position be an area where guys have been able to find opportunities and take advantage. Um, yeah, I'm thinking back to a guy like Brian Body Calhoun, uh, who was here and, and kind of an undrafted guy that found his opportunity in the slot for a few years. And TJ Carey came along. And, you know, when, when he wasn't really able to, to start on the outside anymore, he actually took Body Calhoun's job on the inside. So uh, that, that's always a position where, some of these guys can kind of come out of nowhere um, and, and make an impression and, and get a job. Yeah, and you know the other guy that we should not count out for that position or anything else is Terrence Mitchell. I mean, Terrence Mitchell is, is somebody that is just a good, solid cornerback. He makes plays. I know he's, he views himself as a starting cornerback. Uh, you know, I, I think he can find a, a role for himself perhaps early on, as you guys mentioned, I mean, MJ Stewart is, is in there right now and, and he's uh, sort of getting a tryout at that spot, but I don't think we should count out Terrence Mitchell. He's, uh, he's got some good football under his belt and I think there's, there's more to come. Yeah, and he's had a good camp. Um, I, I think he had a pick today. I couldn't see who it was. So, you know, listen, it wouldn't be the first time this camp I gave somebody credit for an interception that wasn't theirs. Uh, my apologies, Kevin Johnson. But, um, 
I think he's the guy that had the pick down the right sideline at one point when we were kind of walking over to, to get a different view of things. Uh, so he's, he's had a very good camp and his opportunities when he's gotten to work up with the first team a little bit. And he's a guy that you know, I would be curious. I think last year's staff really saw him more exclusively as an outside guy. And I would be curious if this year's staff maybe changes that. And look, if you're Terrence Mitchell, again, you're fighting for jobs. So if that means playing inside, you, you got to learn to play inside. Uh, anything else stand out to you, Ellis? Um, I, again, I already kind of mentioned it, but I just thought Nick Chubb looked real aggressive today, uh, just reestablishing himself back there. It's always hard in camp to tell what runs actually would have popped and which ones are just him finishing the run. But when you hear the offense firing up when he, Nick Chubb is 30, 40 yards downfield a few times, you know it had to be a good run. And again, I saw Kareem Hunt do some creative things um, out of the slot today too. It just it just reaffirms what we know. This is going to be such a running back centric offense and seeing Nick Chubb take those carries to the house, so to speak, is going to be what this offense needs, especially early when the passing game is probably going to be a little behind the running game. Yeah, Mary Kay, we didn't really give it a whole lot of attention in the front end of the pod, but Nick Chubb being back, uh, it's, it's just a reminder of how dangerous this backfield is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and Dan, you had a really, really good story on uh, Kareem Hunt and his, uh, you know, his track coach from, uh, from Willoughby South High. Uh, so if you get a chance to read that, uh, Browns fans, go find it on cleveland.com. It was excellent. Uh, so, we, you know, it gave Kareem a chance to work more with the, you know, with the first team as a runner. But seeing Nick Chubb back there today, uh, it, it was really good to see him back there. And now they were not in pads today. So, no pads, and it was definitely a lighter practice. Uh, but, but as I watched him run around out there, he did not look to me like somebody that was suffering the ill effects of any kind of a concussion. He didn't look tentative. He didn't look uh, like yeah. he was taking it slowly. He, he just looked like he was going full go on every single play. So that bodes well. And, um, you know, it was just a fluky – well, not fluky. I mean, it was, it was just a dumb mistake by Mac Wilson. I know that, and again, I've been talking to people connected with Mac. He feels really bad about it. Uh, he, he's, he's very contrite about it. He never wanted to hurt uh, Nick. He thinks the world of Nick Chubb. I mean, last week when we talked to him, he called him the best running back in the NFL. Uh, so he, you know, he feels really bad about that. And then, uh, you know, and then the other thing happens to him the next day. So just a bizarre sequence of events. But uh, it was kind of a, a good news today, day today. Yeah, Mary Kay, you uh, you broke some news for me personally here just now. Uh, I did not realize they weren't uh, in full pads today. That tells you a lot about my vantage point. So <laughs> I, I find that kind of funny that everyone, you know, I just I just figured it was just a status quo, but um, that's news broke to me by Mary Kay Cowett as usual. There you go. <laughs> no problem. Hey, uh, speaking of that story, I, I didn't put it in the story, but Nick Chubb was running that hill with Kareem Hunt a little bit in Westlake. And his track coach told me that that happened right up until it snowed in May. And Nick was like, nope, I'm going back to Georgia. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Smart well, man. Smart man. Well, you know what, Dan? Then it's surprising that they didn't have a lot of uh, traffic on the hill after that because that is the biggest sled riding hill in Westlake, Ohio. Well, there you go. I sent Ellis out to take a photo for me yesterday because I, I, I actually meant – I knew I was, I was probably going to shoot an email to this guy to talk to him, and I meant to actually swing out there after practice one day to, to maybe grab a photo of the hill. Uh, and I live kind of far away from there. So 
I forgot to do it. So yesterday I texted Ellis and I'm like, can you go and take a photo? He sent me like four photos. I could have done a Hill photo gallery off of what <laughs> Ellis did. Hey, D hey, Dan, I tried my best out there. And then uh, when I was taking a few of them, I was like, you know what? What if I go to the top of the hill and take a photo looking down to get an idea of like how high up you are? And then as I walk closer, I realized I wasn't going up that hill, especially with the heat. So I'm glad what I got worked, but th that's one steep hill. Let me tell you what, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt uh, is going to pay off most likely. Well, you sent, you sent notice to uh, John Koontz and Josh Gunter and, and Dave Pekowitz uh, with, with those photos that you sent me. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. We'll be back with you tomorrow, Sunday. That's right, you're eating a Saturday and a Sunday edition because the Browns are practicing those days. So we will, we will be back with you right after practice on Sunday. So make sure you're subscribed so that shows up right on your phone as soon as I hit publish. And check out Football Insider. Uh, as well, Ellis and I both put up our, our post-practice thoughts, and you would have known about Ellis's MJ Stewart thoughts uh, long before you listened to this podcast. If you are a subscriber, uh, 216-208-3965 to get started on that free trial. For Ellis and Mary Kay, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.